0: This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at NerdyLegion.com. Enjoy the show!
1: Do we get to talk about boobs again? We're not talking about boobs again.
0: But Batman is great to talk about boobs with. He has so many great characters that have great boobs. Does he, though? Yeah. Does he? Ivy, Catwoman. Yeah, I guess so. Harley Quinn. I guess so. uh, Every other female. (laughs)
1: There's new book, no boobs in the, in the book that we're going to talk about tonight, though.
0: It really isn't. They even made freaking Barbara Gordon sexy when the Joker shot her through her spine.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they did.
0: That was kind of fucked up, though.
1: That <laughs> was fucked up. But that's a good story. That's not the story we're talking about today, Paul.
0: Yeah, we're not talking about a good story today. What? We're talking about a great story. Oh, I
1: was going to say... We're talking about the first Elseworlds story.
0: This is the first one, huh? I didn't know that. You
1: didn't know that? Yeah, it's the first Elseworlds that DC did. Um, if you, I don't know about on the trade now, but if you have the, uh, the floppies, it doesn't have the Elseworlds logo in it because they hadn't come up with that yet. But this is the very first Elseworlds title.
0: Yeah, I have a, an old copy of it. It just says A Tale of the Batman, Gotham by Gaslight.
1: Yep. So you have a floppy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I wasn't sure if you had that or if you had gotten the trade from the library. Uh, and I
0: got this from uh, from my LCS for like a buck. Nice.
1: Yeah. That's a good deal. It's 48, 48 pages? Yeah, 48 pages. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're talking about Gotham by Gaslight. I should say that again. Gotham by Gaslight, uh, just the the original story came out in eighty nine. I want to say uh, it's uh, written by Brian Augustine with art by the always incredible Mike McNola. Yep. Uh,
0: so, and this is where you learn that uh, that Batman's a douchebag and he uh, he gets what he wants by gaslighting people. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, is kind of true.
1: Oh, that's not at all what happens paul
0: he's He's convincing the the criminals that they're insane through psychological means.
1: <laughs> that's not at all what happens. Did we read the same book, Paul? <laughs> I don't think we did. I think I
0: just spiced it up. I remember boobs in mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean there's there's hookers, but there's no boobs.
0: Ah, uh, not when Jack the Ripper's done with them. mm, you're right. You're right. So one thing interesting, one interesting aspect about both of us getting around and wanting to do this is uh, we were both drawn to this book for different reasons. Yours is because of your insatiable need for, for Batman.
1: That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and
0: mine is because uh, I like Mike Mignola. And uh, I was, I, I didn't really know uh, anything about Mignola outside of Hellboy. Like, I mean, obviously that wasn't like, he didn't just like wake up and do Hellboy one day, but... You know, I mean, it's not like he's known for the stuff he did before he did Hellboy. Uh, so this was one of those things where it's like, well, I like Batman, I like Mike Mignola. You tell me you're putting those two things together and that already happened? Mm. So, you know, I, I was uh, excited about it. Um, and one thing I will say right off the bat is that uh, it it's not like if Mike Mignola did something today where he would probably do it very much in the Hellboy style of art. Mm-hmm. this was like I mean it's still like you know is Mignola and you could tell it's Mignola but this is more like Mignola when he was doing more straight and narrow comic book art it has his style to it but it still is a little more the uh, you know, the traditional style of, of comic art to an extent you know does that make sense
1: um yeah I see what he you're saying he gets a lot
0: more stylized in Hellboy he and does this is, he does This it has that this is if you take regular comic art and add that style to it not a hundred percent in the Magnolia style, you know.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, this is not uh, not too far off from Hellboy. Hellboy came out of what ninety three, ninety four.
0: I don't know. I'm talking on my phone. I can't look stuff up.
1: But you're the you're the Hellboy guy. You should know these things.
0: I don't know years. I don't know names. I just read stuff and enjoy it. <laughs> this is 1989 when uh, when this came out. Uh, so we just got to look up when Hellboy came out, and we'll have that answer.
1: I'm pretty sure it's 93 or 94.
0: Sounds right. <clears throat> I'm not going to look
1: it up. We'll just say that's what it is, okay?
0: Lazy bastard. You're on a computer. You can look it up while doing
1: what, this. Uh, what was the first one? Seed of Destruction, right? Is volume one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yep, March 94.
0: Yeah, so about about five year gap in between and i mean obviously he started making it before it was released as a trade or whatnot but yes um yeah so i mean this is this is a little bit before that but uh like i said the, you can see the the it's just like i mean Seed of destruction uh john byrne co-wrote it with him <laughs> yep um so i mean he was really like learning how to do his thing at that time um, that's when he was like really, you know. Even then, he was kind of breaking into his own, but the art was definitely heavily his. But he still had to have, uh, you know, have somebody help him with uh, with the writing. Mm-hmm. And hey, you can't complain too much about having somebody the caliber of John Byrne help you on your first thing.
1: You got that right. Yeah,
0: must be and nice. This piece of crap was written by some fool named Brian Augustine. <laughs> I don't know anything else about him. Is he somebody that uh, that we should talk more about?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's done a lot of stuff. Obviously, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, Gaslight he did the sequel, which is uh, Master of the Future. Uh, so if you buy the, the Gotham by Gaslight trade, it actually comes with Gotham by Gaslight and Master of the Future. I was kind um, of
0: wondering that because the trade's a lot thicker and mm-hmm. obviously costs a lot more. And I read this and I was like, hmm. If I bought a trade and it was just this, I'd be kind of pissed off right now.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, he. Um, no, he, he's an interesting guy. He, he, there's actually a Valiant collection. I don't know if you know this. But uh, Augustine wrote uh, Exo Manowar for about a year.
0: I thought it was Venditti. I, I think you
1: mispronounced it. Yeah, no, you're talking about current. I'm talking about, like, <laughs> 90s.
0: Uh you're talking about that acclaim stuff. The okay.
1: acclaim stuff. He did uh he did Exo-Mano War Volume 2 from 97 to 98. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everybody gets their start somewhere.
1: Well, you know. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so uh yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'll I'll let you dive into this though. You're the, you're the Batman nut job. <laughs> Go ahead and uh gaslight me into questioning my sanity.
1: Uh, well, I, I just want to drop this real quick. There's a, there's a book that I still love to this day, uh, written by Brian Augustin. And the artist on that was Umberto Ramos, who has done a ton of X-Men stuff. Um, it was called Crimson, I think. Wildstorm put it out. So Wildstorm had an imprint of, uh, like, indie creators... And it was uh, Battle Chasers, Crimson, and there was one more I can't remember, and uh, Augustine was writing that. So check those out; it's freaking awesome. I think it ran a couple years. Uh, it was like it's a, it's a vampire story, if you couldn't tell by the uh, title, Crimson. Anyway, so yeah, Gathlon by Gaslight is a retelling of Batman's origin story. By mixing in a connection to Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of uh, elements of the story that are should be well known to uh, Batman fans. Obviously, you know Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot—that's important. That's a, that plays a big part of this. Um, the the fact of uh, either Batman, Bruce Wayne, one or the other, or both. Uh, Being uh, suspected of being a killer of some sort Or criminal of some sort By the uh, Gotham City Police Department That plays a big, big role here And, of course, ultimately Batman's detective prowess Plays a a big role here Um, Throughout the book And then especially after Bruce Wayne Is actually framed for uh, Jack the Ripper's murders Um, originally this would be so this is not something you care about Paul but for DC fans DC loves having a bunch of different Earths and originally this was Earth 1889 because it takes place in 1889 and so uh, there's a few stories that happen in this era there's a Joker by Gaslight there's a Catwoman by Gaslight Um, obviously the Master of the Future Uh, there's a couple other things. I think there might have been a Shazam story that takes place in Earth, uh, 1889. And then ultimately after Crisis, this was renamed to Earth-19, which is not as cool as (laughs) Earth-1889.
0: So, uh, when, when Marvel did the whole battle worlds thing, Mm -hmm. was that basically like, uh, what DC's always done with all these different Earths? Or it's like, yeah, we're just gonna make all these different worlds.
1: I don't know if it's the same, but um, yeah, there's similarities.
0: Exactly the same. I got it. They're, okay. they're
1: similar. So, so the thing is, both both companies um, end up having times in their publishing history, uh, especially like early on, right? So DC bought a lot of other publishers' uh, characters in like the 50s, for example. Um, the Flash being one of the main ones, right? So that wasn't a DC property. It wasn't National. Um, I can't remember what where that came from. Um, but it came from another company. And so over time, they have different characters or d- the same character with, like, different people portraying that character. And so ultimately, they're just like, okay, well, this flash is from this Earth and that flash is from that Earth. And ultimately, these stories start piling up and they end up with tons of Earth. You end up with a multiverse. And, uh, they have to find ways to clear the slate and make the origins of these characters simpler. Um, I feel like DC has always done it a little bit better than Marvel, but then again, I'm biased because I prefer DC over Marvel. But, uh, yeah. The, the, the Gotham by Gaslight universe, though, the Earth 19 or Earth 1889, whatever you want to call it, is interesting, though, because it's, late Victorian era and it's, it's very cyberpunk. Uh, Well, not cyberpunk, steampunk, uh, which I I really like. I think uh, for some of these characters that are deeply steeped in history, you know, in the golden age from the thirties and forties, I think it, uh, it it suits those characters well. Um, And obviously it gives them a, a different spin on what they could have been, right? Um, and I, I always say whenever I record with Nick, for example, Nerdy Legion, uh, the the Elseworlds stuff is always my favorite thing to read. I wish they still did Elseworlds, um, and they they actually kind of kind of are now again. Um, that's probably a, a topic of discussion for a different day, but publishers now are realizing that. The, the way of the future for them to make money is not in single issues, but in printed editions, uh, going to the book market, right? Not just the newsstand market. And uh, so, so a lot of these publishers are doing like uh, prestige format series that they can then present in a trade format uh, to sell at book retailers, Uh, The the profit margin is higher on a trade than it is on single issues. Um, And it also allows them to tell a different story. So there's a few coming out, a few Batman ones coming out. There's uh, Batman the White Knight, which is, um, oh, what's the Punk Rock Jesus guy? Sean Murphy. Mm -mm. He's doing that, and that's going to be the Joker as Batman and Bruce Wayne as the Joker, kind of. So I think that'll be interesting. Um, you
0: just gave Jay the biggest direction. You talked about Batman and Punk Rock Jesus in the same sentence. Oh, he knows
1: about it. He's excited about it. Oh, I know he knows about it. He's excited about it. Uh, He's there's a little a... too excited. About it. <laughs> 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 he was talking about Splooge earlier, so there's that. <laughs> uh, there's also a story coming out by Kurt Busiek, who does one of my favorite current titles, Astro City. Say his um, last name again. Busiek.
0: Is that how you say
1: it? I don't know. That's how I've always said it.
0: Okay, we need to get him on the podcast so he can tell us his name. Oh,
1: God, I would love to talk to him. (laughs) Maybe we'll do that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've read some Astro City. I actually have two trades sitting in my office uh, that I believe I've read them both in the past, but I decided to start uh, purchasing them at some point, which I may... I may, I may retcon that decision and switch that to getting them from the library one at a time, but... Um, he's a guy that, like, I... Even with only having read a little bit of Astro City, just seeing what he does, anytime his name is on something, it piques my interest. Mm, yeah. Just because his, his creativity, and what, I mean, what he's able to create, it just... You give well, him something to see what he does with it, and I don't think he can... Uh, be disappointed
1: and and the weird thing is so i've been reading astro city for like 20 years um astro city initially came out in 95 and i read it pretty religiously for like a year or two and then they had they had publishing issues um it was out of print for a long time I, i think he had health problems um they moved to a different publisher like it's been around um and I, I really dug them. But then, like, you know, your, your, your interests change over time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, when I started doing uh, I Am Gotham, I was concentrating mostly on Batman. Wh- and I still am. But the the more I read books from that era, the more I want to read other characters from that era. And, and Astro City is a modern comic but it's told very much in that style uh they're they're, they're golden age characters but mm. it's written in a modern sensibility which i really dig uh black hammer is kind of like that too i don't think black hammer does it as well as Esther city but um as, as black hammer starts developing the story a little bit more i am getting more engrossed in that as well because it does the same thing, except for Silver Age. Black Hammer's more of a Silver Age thing. Um, but yeah, I love Astro City. Anyway, let's get back to, to Gotham by Gaslight, though. I mean, we can do it. Yeah, we can do an episode in Astro City, but not today.
0: Uh, yeah, and one thing you mentioned a moment ago is uh, about Elseworlds and, and them approaching doing more things that could be presented as solid stories that don't have to be in continuity. Uh, when I started reading Batman, uh, it was... That was pretty much how I got into comics to stay. I had a couple other little forays in the comics, but I had dabbled a little bit and then got back out and, you know, moved on. Um, and when I started reading them for good, it started with Batman, because I was trying to, you know, what should I get that's going to appeal to me? And, you know, Batman, I think, is a very approachable character. Um, because. Everybody knows Batman well enough to just pick up a Batman book and read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has like the best cast of villains of anything. Uh, I mean, all all the you know the villains in Batman are, are just the, such well developed characters in their own right. So so interesting in their own right, and like I don't think anybody can even come close to it. Like, mm-hmm. who? who what, what do you think is the, the next best cast of villains in comics?
1: Um, I like the, uh, the rogues gallery from Flash.
0: Ah, fuck that, they're boring.
1: <laughs> well, they're not, they're definitely not as interesting psychologically, I think.
0: Who's, who's the best one?
1: The um, Flash's villains. Captain Cold?
0: Yeah, Captain Cold. Does anybody know who Captain Cold is?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah, you do, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my point is, is, uh, you know, Captain Cold, if you ask somebody... They may even know who the Flash is. But if you ask them who Captain Cold is, most people don't. Most people aren't going to know who Captain Cold is because he's not interesting enough.
1: I guess. If you ask somebody who
0: Joker is, like, everybody... Oh, yeah,
1: everybody knows Joker. knows who
0: Joker is. Everybody knows who Penguin is. Right. You know? There's going to be quite a few. You get down a little bit deeper, like, you ask somebody Poison Ivy, like, they may not know Poison Ivy if they're, like, if they're not at all a comic fan. But even somebody who is not, doesn't give a flying shit about comics, Batman, the movies, anything, we know who Joker
1: is. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Um, and I no, nobody can boast the depth of villains of high quality that, that Batman has. Like, you can say as a comic fan, well, I think this group of villains is interesting, but they, they're not even close. Like, they don't even touch it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you look at some other ones that actually have good villains, um, even look at other, like, really big-name character like Superman. Who's his biggest villain? Luther? Like Luther? Mm-hmm. A smart bald guy, like he's an <laughs> asshole. He's not the greatest villain. Like he's great in the comic books. Obviously, they know what they're doing with him. But like when you just look at the, uh, you know, on paper, snapping a picture of who he is, he's not the greatest. He's not a great villain in general eyes, you know, and in, in non comic fan eyes. All
1: right, what about Spider Man? Um, I think Spider Man's got some
0: Spider has got recognizable, recognizable ones. ones. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, what's the best one Spider Man has? Green Goblin. Yeah, he Green Goblin's not not close to the Joker. The Joker is sure. is I, the Joker's transcendent as a villain. Like nothing measures up to the Joker. Uh and then you look at kind of the next in line like, you know, Green Green Goblin's good. I would still take, you know, the 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 next kind of round of Batman villains over Green Goblin. Uh But Spider-Man has good ones. I mean, they, that's one thing that's always made Spider-Man more appealing, but what's always made spider-man kind of disappointing is like what do you read to like really get a good a good story like there's so many like really good batman and joker stories and batman and you know whatever villain you place in there you can get some really good stories and spider-man is just it's never really been approached that way so i mean even asking nick who is is the biggest spider-man nut in our group I asked him, you know, what's the best Spider-Man trade? He doesn't even have a damn answer. You know, well, I mean, you can ask Rob. An Rob
1: Krieger would have an answer for you. That's his favorite.
0: Yeah, but he just makes shit up. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to read some X-Men stuff about some damn aliens the hell.
1: oh the star jammer stuff right that's what he told you to read
0: it was it was the the brood war stuff which i'm not quite oh, okay. up to that but yeah. I, I have read a couple of the issues that were like kind of the prequel stuff sort of mm-hmm. the the star jammer stuff i read through that part but uh but no yeah i mean rob may have rob is actually pretty good at making solid suggestions um but yeah i i don't know Bat- batman just so many aspects of batman just really is above and beyond uh what others offer but at the same time Batman can can get boring like if you're not just a Batman nut it's you get a lot of the same stuff over and over again in a way mm-hmm. uh because you have a lot of great things but what do you do you just kind of keep on looping back over it so getting the uh the stories that aren't in continuity is it that's what makes Batman really approachable I think to me for uh a new reader because you don't have to feel like you're lost in the middle of somewhere and on top of that those types of stories tend to have a higher quality of uh, of art and higher quality of writing sometimes too mm-hmm. um, like one of the Batman things that I read was Nightfall which is a lot of material it, the art is the quality of books that were being released on a monthly basis at that time so it's you know not really taking its time with it for a, a Concentrated project, you, know, you compare, compared that to some of the first things I read was uh, the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale stuff, you know, Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few other things. Um, the art's more stylized. The story's written kind of to be that compact story, even if it was released as as individual comics. Like it clearly was written for a collection, you know. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really approachable. Anyways, and this this fits into that, where it's a story that you don't need to know anything else. Um, and if you do know other stuff, it's it still is uh, compelling to read something like this.
1: Well, that's why the Elseworld stories are always a good introduction for people. Because they, they always recap an origin of some sort, and uh, you don't really need to know anything about that character. And I think that's important, you know? Um and, and like so for example in this story. So right right now I'm reading uh stuff in the early 40s uh from Batman, and let me tell you like I love the Joker. But there's there's so much Joker I can handle you know what I mean, and and the stuff that I'm reading now like every story has the Joker because the the Joker made a big impact on people. Mm-hmm. The, the Joker does appear in Gotham by Gaslight. But it's like a a throwaway line from Commissioner Gordon, and then you see, like, the Joker's picture, and that's it. He's gone.
0: Yeah, they have some good hints at stuff like that without, like, I mean, the villain in this is Jack
1: the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, right.
0: You know, it's not one of the Batman villains. Another thing that makes uh, Gotham by Gaslight really interesting is that a big aspect of batman is the the gadgets the technology that you know comes with the money mm-hmm. um and obviously in 1889 technology is a lot more limited so i mean the the best that his money could buy at that time would still be drastically less than you know the crappy stuff nowadays mm-hmm. um but that's really i mean especially if you read uh you know the newer the stuff you read it tends to be that stuff gets, like, really over the top, and that's one thing that definitely um, in some of the newer Batman reading I've done kind of makes me lose interest a little quicker mm. is just the absurd level of tech. Like, I'm not reading Batman to see how much you can bullshit technology. <laughs> like, give, give me a Batman story. Don't show me how, like, he has a, a contact that allows him to blah, 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 and they could all talk and see and blah, 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 and da, da, da. Like, I don't want, like, look at this fancy technology. That's not the book I'm reading. I want a Batman story. Tell me a Batman story.
1: Well, but the thing is, like, the the gadgets have always been central to the character.
0: They're uh, central, but in some of the, the newer, more, you know, in the, the modern Batman writing, and this is typically, like, with the monthly books also, and mm-hmm. typically, like, anything I've read has probably been kind of at the beginning of the runs. Um... It just turns me off pretty quickly because it's just, like, gushing all this, like, technology bullshit.
1: Again, the gadgets have always been key. Uh, matter of fact, I just read a story a couple weeks ago where they first had, like, the the communicators. So Batman and Robin could talk when they weren't around each other. And uh, it was pretty silly because, like, Batman's looked like he pretty much pulled out a, a phone from the 30s. And, like, it was attached to his hip. And then Robin's version was, like, a phonograph that popped out of his utility belt. <laughs> you know? And, like, and, he would talk into it. Um, which, like, at the time, that would have been high tech, right? So, like, we look at it back, you know, 80 years ago. Like, obviously, it's outdated technology to us. But, like, you know, they were miniaturizing these gadgets to put on the belts and just kind of making it work with something that people would recognize you know
0: yeah see the gadgets are great when they serve a purpose but i think a lot of times they they they're drowning you in so many gadgets they don't all serve a purpose it's just excessively gadgeting stuff up mm-hmm. um it's it's kind of the equivalent of uh, him you know pulling the the bat shark repellent out of his belt and mm-hmm. spraying it on the shark that's chomping on his leg in the the, the movie uh from the sixties, mm-hmm. um you know it would be like that, but then, if he like pulled out ten different bat sprays and used them for no fucking reason, <laughs> that's kind of what some of the newer stuff is like.
1: Sure, no, I oh, got gotcha. I'm
0: gonna use like these ten gadgets right now at the beginning of this book because it's issue number one, and I have to show you all these gadgets
1: uh, no, I, I understand yeah,
0: unveil the gadgets with a purpose, but anyways, that's why I found this refreshing was there's no gadgets.
1: There's no gadgets. And and what would you think think of the bat suit? What would you think of the bat suit? Uh, Because I I liked it. It's different, but it's recognizable, right?
0: It's very recognizable. I mean, basically, look at the bat bat suit, and like he wanted to make a suit to look like a bat. Yes. And it's, it's it's pretty similar, but it's like okay, well, how would they have made it then?
1: Well, and that's what I like about it, because it almost feels like it's homemade, right? Especially the cowl um, around the eyes. It looks like he just took a pair of scissors and just, like, cut circles on the cowl, you know, to to make room for his eyes.
0: It yeah, Doesn't he actually have, like, goggles for the eyes on it?
1: Well, he does, but he doesn't always wear the goggles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the goggles are a steampunk thing, right? So, that makes sense. Um. But yeah, I, mean, that's I like the steampunk
0: costume. Is, is is trying to de- develop and design stuff in a modern way with with you know the limitations of what materials were present at the time.
1: Correct. Correct. Right?
0: So, yep. yeah, it's it, I think it's good because they're not overly trying to make it different. Like they're not uh, absurdly ornating it with shit from that that era. Mhm. You know it's like they're they're really making it look like he tried to do the best job he could to make it look like he wanted it to look you know yep. um and i think that you know if you if you took this concept and kept on going on with it you would see a lot of more things like the you know the limitations and the protective technology of it and um you know they, they could do a lot like if they made this an ongoing thing of exploring you know okay well he goes and does this, and he sees that, like, well, he didn't have this type of protection, so he alters the suit to give him more protection uh, against this type of attack, but then he goes out again, and he realizes it, limit, you know, it limits his movement in this mm-hmm. way and causes this problem. Like, you could have a lot of story here with just him going through the process of figuring it out. Yep. Um, and, like, in a modern Batman story, I don't think he could really have the same thing because, like I said, they've done too much of just jerking off with the, the tech. Mm-hmm. You know so they they've already shot the load too far. that's why eh, that's a big problem with with mainstream comics um is that instead of kind of cycling back to the roots and remembering that like it starts with storytelling and characters um, they just try to out jerk off the last jerk off. <laughs> and we're just going to outdo this shit and it gets so outlandish that just nobody fucking cares at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean like I I tried to read uh, I don't remember at what exact point this was, but the like the, the newer version of Spider-Man where he was basically Iron Man.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it was fucking awful because Spider-Man is great because he's Peter Parker. He's the underdog. He doesn't have shit. Mm-hmm. And uh that's what makes him great. And you take him and you give him all the money of Tony Stark and you give him all this power and stuff. He's not interesting. He's not compelling. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't continue reading. So yeah, maybe the story got good. Maybe Spider Man fans loved it. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> um, but you know, that's it's it's getting away from what makes things great. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem with something that's run so long. That's that's why it's a problem with mainstream comics. Is because comics that aren't mainstream aren't good enough to well not not good enough they're not big enough to have this problem yet you know
1: right right. agreed you wanna do a quick recap on this one
0: batman goes to europe after his parents are killed he's gone for like five years he says Yep, yep uh which that that correlates to uh to the their like the origin story right i mean yes. that's kind of what he did his parents get killed and then as he grows up he gets uh to a certain age and he goes and kind of disappears for a number of years gadding about the world um but what's interesting about that is in this era that's what rich people did they just they mm-hmm. went to the continent and they wandered around for years and the <laughs> the concept of time was very different back then too whereas now it's like you couldn't imagine just like going screwing around for years in europe like it's nothing because you still have to stay connected to your life wherever it is nowadays you can stay connected even while gone but um that's you know not really what's being presented here but back then that's just that's what you did if you were going to go to europe you're going to stay there for a damn long time because you were taking a very slow boat to get there Mm -hmm. um so i thought that elements of his origin story like just meshed so well with you know what we see in stories of, that take place in that time anyways mm-hmm. um, so he comes back to, to Alfred who's been uh, keeping the home going um, and asks about the Batsuit and I thought it was interesting because Alfred seems like he didn't want that to happen you know it's like he <laughs> yes. was hoping that uh, Bruce had gotten over this uh, strange obsession yep. and he was just ready to try it Yep. Um and uh he runs into his uncle, which I think is an uncle like with quotes, not actual uncle. Um and uh you know, starts doing Batman y things, but then Jack the Ripper starts doing Jack the Rippery things in Gotham. Um it ends up getting pinned on Bruce. Uh and
1: You should leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, leave it there. So I thought it was interesting, first of all, that uh, – did you notice who Bruce's shrink is? So so oh, he, yeah. go- he goes to Europe to clear his head, right, and, and learn to deal with his parents' death, uh, murder. Um, and, of course, one of the things he does is go see a therapist,
0: no, no, no. He specifically says in that he is not going to see a therapist. He's working with him.
1: Well, yes. Because
0: cause he's trying to, to psychoanalyze him, and Bruce is like, no, I'm not here as a patient. I'm here as your colleague. Yes. I'm here to work with you. And
1: and, and who's who's the shrink?
0: Uh, it was Freud, right? Yeah, it was Freud. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought that was cool. Because this would have been around the time where Freud was developing uh, all his psycho battle. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's continue. Okay. So he, he he's in Vienna. Um, as he's getting ready to go back to Gotham, here's another Easter egg. They come upon somebody, and I don't think they explicitly mention his name, um, but they they come upon the Prince of uh, the the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, which is Prince Albert Victor, um, and if you're a Jack the Ripper fan, uh, he was actually one of the people suspected to be Jack the Ripper. Hmm. So I thought that was cool that uh that it gets popped in there because that's that's the, that's one of the things that pop up uh, a couple times in the issue, right? Um. Because most of the issue opens up with uh, Jack narrating a little bit about himself. And he pretty much goes through all the suspects, uh, all the Jack the Ripper suspects, and says like, oh, you think I'm like a doctor? Well, guess what? I'm not the doctor. Like, you think I'm this person. I'm not this person. I'm not this politician. Like, I'm not this lawyer. Like, everybody got it wrong. Um... And that sets up because you know at the end of this issue, you do find out who Jack the Ripper is. Um, so, so I like that as well. Uh, there's a there's a few other things. Um, once once you get to Gotham, there is a a sign. Um, what's what's the name? I should have written all this down. It was like Sickle and Company, I think it is. Sickert and Company. Um that was also another of the uh the, the Jack the Ripper suspects. Um so that's kind of an Easter egg uh thrown in there. I thought that was interesting. Um what else, what else, what else? Oh, last last bit. So the the piece that I just talked about where Jack the Ripper is introducing himself and telling everybody who he's not um, that was written by a novelist who wrote the book from hell uh, not the same as Ellen Moore but similar so I thought that was cool that they would throw that in there bring uh, a Jack the Ripper expert to uh, you know g- give the book a little more mythology I thought that was interesting yeah that's it that's all I got no more easter eggs
0: yeah
1: I didn't no get any of those
0: but it's not like I'm exactly steeped in uh, Jack the Ripper mythology. Sure. Uh, my my knowledge, of Jack. I mean, I have like the general knowledge, probably everybody has. But I remember the movie. Um, and then I I was at one point I had got from Hell to read mm-hmm. and read a little bit, but just decided it wasn't for me because it gets a little too uh, a little too a little too graphic for me.
1: It is very graphic, and the movie's okay. The movie's not as good. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we we pretty much just kind of get to know what Bruce has been up to, right? So he's been in Europe, kind of uh, honing himself, which I guess Alfred's not too happy about, understandably. And uh, as soon as he gets back to Gotham, he immediately goes to uh, Gordon, who's super happy to see him. And I thought that was also a nice callback to uh, Golden Age Stories, because uh in the in the 30s and 40s like Bruce like hung out at Gotham PD you know what i'm saying like he would just go there and and chill in Gordon's office and so every time a crime came up like he would already be there so he can just he he would go with Gordon to the crime scene and uh i think they play a little bit on that in this uh in this story which i like i like um Gordon is not the commissioner though he's an inspector mm-hmm. um what's the uh the commissioner's name Talavar, I believe yeah, um, who's the commissioner in all the earth eighteen ninety nine or eighteen eighty nine stories uh, so that's cool, and uh he's the one that first puts together the pieces that maybe Bruce Wayne is Jack the Ripper because in the time that he spent in Europe, it just so happened to coincide with the murders uh that Jack the Ripper was doing in London. And then as soon as he gets back to Gotham, people mysteriously start dying in the same exact way that Jack the Ripper was killing people in Europe. So, of course, it's circumstantial evidence, but, you know, you present it to people, it kind of makes sense, right? And there's no, there's no DNA evidence or anything like that here. Um, it's all just pure detective work and hoping it sticks. So, Bruce goes to jail. And, well,
0: they did find planted evidence in his house. Well,
1: yes, there was planted evidence in the house. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and, and because that plays a key role in his detecting what's happening, right? The, the The few pages where he's in jail, I really dig because it really shows, like, the core of what Batman is to me. and I think to a lot of people where Batman is the world's greatest detective and even when it's just stripped down to just Bruce no costume um, no prowling in the night it's just him and his intellect and he gets all the case files from uh, Inspector Gordon and starts analyzing them to try to figure out who the killer actually is can't figure it out and all of a sudden he sees a picture of the murder weapon And I can't remember the specifics. Was it the insignia of his father's um, division in the Civil War? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Because it was an A, if I remember correctly. So I was trying to figure out, like, is it a a Wayne Crest or something? Um, So it was the insignia of the division in the army that Thomas Wayne was in during uh, the Civil War. And... He's like, well, holy crap, it's my dad's knife. Right? Mm-hmm. Which throws a, a nice little spin into it. And, of course, he knows it can't be... It's not him. He didn't kill him. It's not his dad, because he's been murdered. So it has to be somebody that was in the military with his dad. And uh, he he gets Gordon. Gordon kind of... Wait, was it Gordon or... Alfred that let him slip out of the jailhouse. Alfred did. He came. It was and Alfred, swap Places right. with him. That's right. That's what it was. Alfred comes to the prison, swaps places with him. Bruce dresses up as Batman, leaves the prison, and goes and finds his lawyer, uh, Uncle J- Uncle Jake. And uh, he figures out that yeah, it's it's Jake. His his own lawyer is the one that uh, framed him for the murders. And uh, so, of course, Jake confesses because Batman instills fear with his, uh, his costume. So he's yeah, scared slightly. shitless in a cemetery. And uh, he tells him the whole story. So growing up, he was friends with Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne like put him through school. He paid for his college to be a lawyer. Um, he ended up becoming the family lawyer as a result. Uh, but the entire time, he was in love with Martha Wayne. And I had a little uh, Batman v Superman flashback because there's that one panel where he says Martha,
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, Yes.
0: Yeah, but, I flash back uh, to Batman v Superman because
1: I try to block that out. Oh, I love that movie. You're crazy. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, he he was in love with Martha, and of course, she was in love with Thomas Wayne, and so he could never have her. And I guess he felt like she laughed at him. Um, because she wouldn't, uh, accept him as a lover, and that made him go... Well,
0: he, like, confessed his love to her. She's married to Thomas Wayne.
1: Yeah. And so, that kind of gave him a complex. And so, um, he would hear Martha's laughter every night, and that made him go a little insane, and, uh, that's why he started killing women, because, uh, he had an obsession with Martha Wayne. And as a result, he was the one that paid for just some random guy to kill uh, Martha and Thomas. Mm-hmm. So we get uh, an admission of Jack the Ripper, and we also get to know who was behind uh, the murder of Martha and Thomas, which is, which is cool. That story's been retold a million times. Uh, different people are at fault. And uh, this is just one of those other ones, which I uh, I dug. And, of course, Batman calls Gotham PD. They show up at the cemetery. Um, he tells them, this is Jack the Ripper. You need to arrest him, and you need to let Bruce Wayne go. And he goes back to the prison cell. He gets let go the next day. Just in time, too, by the way, because I think it was like a day or two left before they were going to hang him for, uh, yep. for the murders. And would that's have been that. real
0: funny is if uh, they would have hung him before he got the reprieve. Mm-hmm. That would have been some good comics right there.
1: <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But uh, that's it. Gotham them a gaslight.
0: Yeah, so this is a good little story. I mean it was it was pretty short. Easy what did you say, forty eight pages? Forty eight pages, so. yep. I mean what what is that, like about twice the length of a normal comic nowadays?
1: Um, yeah, a little bit more.
0: Um yeah it was just it was it was a good, nice little story. It combined the original story of Batman with the story of Jack the Ripper had a good resolution to it. um you know we already talked about some of the the aspects that were different about it that that we liked. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was nice seeing Batman, like I said, with it without all the bells and whistles that distract from what really makes him good mm-hmm. um you know, not. Just uh, the the growling, menacing Batman—not just the gadgets, but the the detective—and you, know, you also see that you know when he when he takes a hit, like it affects him. Mm-hmm. And you read a Batman comic nowadays, like he'll get blown up, and all you see is him back in the Batcave, getting like little gauze wrapped around his ribs or something like that. You know? Yep. Um, so it's uh, it's nice seeing Batman. Like deal with the human side of it without mm-hmm. it being, without it taking something ridiculously excessive. Like you know, it, I mentioned Nightfall earlier. You know, Bane broke his back. so That laid him up for a little bit. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it didn't take that. It was just you know, you see, like he he got cut by a knife.
1: You know, so he he had, had cut, a, he know? had a busted back, and he, he even then he still wasn't so emo. Anyway, he he was a little emo though. I mean, I'd be emo too if my back was broken, you know what I mean? Be like, oh, yeah, "This bet. crap." Anyways. Uh yeah, like, you know, Paul said you he, you he, he picked it up for a buck. I'm sure you can find a single issue for a buck. Uh, you can get the trade on Amazon. I don't know how much it is, but I'll I'll put a link in the show notes, I guess. Uh if you want to pick that up. And that will have the sequel, which does not have Jack the Ripper. It is also not Mac, Mike Mcnola art, but uh, it's still a good story. And if I mean, you want more
0: from Mike Mignola, uh Mike Mcnola, just, just jump right to Hellboy.
1: Just do it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It was
0: interesting though. I had picked up uh, a bunch of beat up, crappy old comics, and uh, going through, I found uh, quite a few, you know, like Mike Mcnola covers and stuff like that that he did for DC. Hmm. They actually have a hardcover out now that is like Mike Mcnola's. You know, like, view of the DC universe. Um, That's something that I'll probably want to pick up at some point. Hmm. Um, Because I dig Magnola.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Very
0: interesting. But the best Magnola is Hellboy. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) by far.
1: I think that's going to be it, Paul. That's it.
0: That is it. So, thank you everybody for joining us for one of our first two... Uh, bonus podcast for patrons of the Valiant Central Podcast. Uh, So if you're a patron, you will have access to hear this much, much longer before anybody else. Eventually, Martin will release this uh, as an episode of I Am Gotham. Uh, We'll have other podcasts that we make uh, and will eventually be released into the VCP feed. Um, But being a patron means you get to hear VCP a few days early. But it also means that you get podcasts like this immensely uh, early. Essentially, we're making these for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, we'll just share them with, uh, with all those jerks who don't want to give us money. Shame on um, them. Um, shame on you, but keep downloading and listening as well. <laughs> um, we, we love you all, even though we hate you all, too. Um, that's not true. We just love you all. Uh, yeah, so th- this is fun to do. And uh, give us feedback. Let us know what what you like, what you would like to hear. Uh, which you'd like to see. We have a lot of ideas for the Valiant Central podcast. We have a lot of ideas for uh, bonus podcasts and extra material and those sorts of things. One thing you can expect to start seeing to some extent in the Valiant Central podcast is uh, we've never wanted to review just the newest issues of the week unless something has just really jumped out to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one thing that has shifted for us both is how we go about purchasing comics. And for me uh i'm building up a collection of valiant trades now um and i want to eventually start just picking up them picking them up as they come out Uh, so that's one thing that we'll kind of integrate into the podcast is we'll start actually talking about uh story arcs to some extent as those trades come out so if you're a trade waiter that'll uh that'll serve you better than listening to some of the other podcasts that just talk about all the newest issues that you'd be getting spoiled you know a, an immense amount of time before you actually got around to reading them mm-hmm. um, so that, that's one thing that especially as we get more patrons uh, we'll integrate doing that more uh, but give us the feedback let us know what you want to hear in the, the Valiant Central podcast and in the bonus episodes uh, you can tweet us at the podcast at Valiant underscore central I'm on Twitter at who's Paul martin is on twitter at geekvine uh you can also join the valiant central facebook page uh what's the website for that martin
1: facebook.com slash groups slash valiant central
0: there you go i don't remember all those slashes because i don't give a shit Uh yeah so uh, that's about all I have to say Martin Anything? any last words last thoughts
1: nope if you're Less listening things, to this uh, outside the Patreon feed just go to patreon.com slash Valiant Central Podcast to uh, subscribe
0: yeah do it listen to us let us know what you want and yeah, we'll do those things then you'll listen to them then you'll want more that's <laughs> the circle of life until next time go get gas lit by Batman <laughs>
1: Uh what if he farts? <laughs> Have you thought about that?